Hey guys, welcome to the Rosenzweig Podcast. My name is Joseph Rosenzweig, and this week we've got Mac O'Hara on the show. He's a uh, he's a funny comic in New York. He does shows on Fridays over at Broadway Comedy Club. He also hosts an open mic at the Tiny Cupboard on Mondays. We talk about that a bit at the end. Uh, yeah, that that whole episode, the whole episode you're going to listen to, uh, that, that goes around with comedy, cannibalism, multiple things, but who knows where... Uh, where this is going to go because I I usually have something pre-prepared when I start doing this, but it's been a weird week uh, trying to get uh, folks on the show just because my schedule's been fucked and everyone who originally was going to be on the show last week, at least recording it, their schedules got fucked, but that's, uh, that's life. We roll with it. I mean, this episode's getting released a few hours late, but here we are. We're doing a show. That's right. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, uh, outside of uh, scheduling issues, things are going well. Uh, uh, yeah, we're going to be keeping track of one thing on here. I'm getting sober for two months for uh, for comedy's sake, uh, just because I uh, want to get better at it, and also I want to save a little bit of that pocket change. You know, we're, we're saving a little bit of money along the way, so uh, so we can just have that there and just do comedy full time. But uh, outside of uh, comedy, shit's uh, shit's going all right. Uh, I mean, uh, talk about in here. Uh, I guess it's within comedy. Eastville Comedy Club is uh, is kind of running its course on me, and I'm not getting out entirely. But I'm not going to be there nearly as often, which is kind of sad. But hey, uh, I'm moving on to greener pastures. I feel like getting. Some stuff done in uh, the mainland, Manhattan, uh, going out more to different clubs in Brooklyn. Just generally uh, trying to see more of the comedy space and get my name out there more. Uh, but yeah, shit's going well. Show's going well. The stuff I'm producing going well. I, I got nothing really to complain about besides the fact that while I while I'm stay, staying sober for a little while, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna miss some booze in the meantime. So if you can, drink one up on me. Drink one for me. Drink one drink one for the show. But uh yeah, let's move on. Let's get to the episode, shall we? How long you been doing this? That's always a weird question. We've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, and everybody always <laughs> says, that's always a weird question. It is. Well, this is a pandemic year, and then I was in college, and then I got out of college and did it for like a month, and then it was once every six months when there was like an eclipse. Yeah. And- well, then I'll, I'll do that version of that. So I <laughs> I did like an open mic or two my senior year of high school. Um, then I went to college. I came back for winter break, did a month of comedy straight. And then went back for a semester. The pandemic happened. Yeah. Did Zoom comedy. I know I've heard you talk how you weren't a huge fan, but I did Zoom comedy for two years. I did the parks. I did the rooftops. Full pandemic experience. And and now I'm here doing it every day at clubs. Well, that's that. Like, uh, so you, you've been doing it for, you said, two years? Sure, whatever that added up to, two and a half, three years, something like that. Well, the pandemic hit, like, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. So thereabouts, yeah. Yeah, two years, two and a half years. So, uh, like, for me, I 
I wasn't really doing anything around here during the pandemic because uh, I was really disconnected from the comedy scene because I was one of those people who uh, went to a place then immediately left to go to another place because nice. uh, uh, I'm an idiot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, uh, it's uh, it's fucking duck. But uh, <laughs> like I moved up here and it's just like you got to hit everything, got to hit everything. Right, I see. And it's just like I did that and uh, I got a lot better, a lot more quickly. But God damn it, did that make me suffer? Yeah, there is something to going up. So much, especially when you're not friends with people and you don't know them. I guess the first couple months you do it, you have to just go up to make it like a normal thing. But after that, I agree, you should probably just hang out with people and and stay till the end of the mic, at least. Well, like for me, I got started in Texas and then moved up here. Yeah. And just like, oh, right, I'm already well known in that community. I'll just hop in here and do as much as I can. I see. Did you, in Texas, was the vibe like, just go to a bunch of mics or were there not enough mics to do that if you were lucky when i left there was like one night a week where you could hit like three or four okay and uh like when i was starting out it was like there was one maybe two a night all right most nights of the week there's like one or two where it's like if you were lucky you were able to hit one that's insane yeah well here it's like three oh it's like uh so we had the Metroplex, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Denton, Arlington, a bunch of big cities. And you would have to, like, say you wanted to go up on a Wednesday and you were in Fort Worth. You would do one in Fort Worth if you wanted to. Like, when I went back there uh, a few weeks ago, you would have to go there, go out to Dallas, which bare minimum is 45 minutes driving. Jesus. Uh, if you wanted to hit a couple more, you'd probably be on the road collectively, like, five hours that night. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, I, it's a, that's why I'm so worried about moving back to L.A. if I ever do, so I know it's going to be the same thing. Oh, but LA, maybe not you, exactly. You can really you can really ham up those three minutes. Yeah, I bet. i never done it there, but I always just hear it's like, yeah, you can wait three hours to do three minutes, and it's like, ah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's not that. I, I guess here it's a little better, but it's like, all right, you're doing five minutes in front of, Six comics. Yeah. And if you want to wait, if you want to do a Broadway industry room, that's great, and you get a great crowd, and it's 200 people, but there's you got to wait two hours, or you got to bring X people. It's the same thing. I mean, even if you bring X people, like, a lot of times you still have to do that whole waiting game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you're in with the, in with the people there and have friends, which that's why it pays to hang out yeah, and stay to the end, yeah. So me back in Texas, like, oh, yeah, just everyone hangs out. I figured going up here would be different because there's so much shit to do. Right. And then it turns out, no, very similar thing all throughout. It's like you want to build up those friendships, those relationships throughout. Yeah, and it's also, and new comics have talked to me about new comics. I'm pretty new, but really, really new comics have talked to me and been like, oh, so I have to hang out. And it's like, at a certain point, it's fun. Yeah, and at a certain point, you're hanging out with people you actually like, and you're listening to them doing comedy, but they're good and it's fun. So it isn't it isn't a chore to hang out. It isn't just political, but it does it does help. I mean, one of the worst parts is when you love hanging out with someone and you see them on stage and it's like, yes. eh, 
They're a good yeah. person. <laughs> they're a good person. I just hung out. I got coffee with them for an hour and a half, and now they're bombing. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like you're one of my favorite people to hang out with. I'm gonna go spend uh, ten minutes outside going over notes. Text. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I, everyone has their moment, though. I, I read oh, in a yeah. book that th- this guy said there's a one w- percent of the human population can't do stand up. No matter how hard they try, and I'm not—I'm not sure that's true. I think everyone has. You might be making fun of the fact that you can't do stand up, but you, anyone can go into a room if they try hard enough and do five minutes. Well, what's what's the old line? Uh, if you put a thousand monkeys on a thousand typewriters and you wait, eventually they'll write Shakespeare. Yeah, it's a similar thing where it's like, oh no, eventually you'll say something that's funny. Of course, and then no. you say it again and again and again, and it's the same thing. Until we you all hate do. it, and that becomes your act, right? <laughs> Until you've said it two hundred times, and every time you say it, and the audience laughs, you hate the audience for laughing. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and you just hope so something funny. happens where you can riff on one person there, and it's just like, ah, oh, I feel alive again. Something new. <laughs> I've started to do that, where I I'll put new material in in the middle of my act. Yeah, so that the other stuff feels alive because I'm thinking of the new material. If I don't do that and it's the same, I can get six laughs a minute, but it's going to feel dead and there's going to be yeah. no energy in the room because well, it is I, alive. Like I, I have an act that I was doing for about two months straight. I got it down to the point where it's like, I know the beat rhythm for rhythm with the audience and I can change it up depending on the makeup of the audience. And it's just like, I do not care about this anymore. And I just put it to the side. And it's like, I kept like two jokes from it to open up with everything else after that. It was just doing new yeah, for this last uh, couple of weeks. And God, that feels so much better. It's a great feeling because it brings back at the beginning when we did comedy and we went up and we had one joke that worked. Yeah. And four minutes and 50 seconds of it was new because we didn't have anything. And it kind of brings back that feeling, which got us at the beginning. We're not in it for the A-plus material. I mean, sure, it works, but it's very boring. It's like, yeah, that that joke, it was smart, it was witty, it was a play on words, it was dumb as fuck. It worked on all levels. And (laughs) God damn it, I never want to say it again. So here's my opener. No, I told you, I, I left Eastville the other day. You were out there, and everyone was congratulating me, and I told you, I said, I killed, but I hated every well, second. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, I, I knew when I heard wrestling jokes, like, oh, fuck, I know exactly the joke yep. you're talking about. I almost know it verbatim. It's a I, great joke. I hate oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's a good <laughs> joke. Well, like, I, I did one for months. It was just like, you can tell how I'm feeling based off the audience reaction. It's just me going like, Jews have had a rough time. Epstein, Weinstein, Palestine. And it's just like, oh, yeah. Uh, if I do it like, and I'm feeling good, great. If you can tell I'm running through the material, it's just like, okay. The comics know the joke. It's Yeah. yeah. And we're so numb to it at this point. I mean... That and then that's another thing when you talk about something that that's traum- or that is that traumatic like Epstein like Epstein is a crazy thing it's that a, harmed insane. a lot of people. The wrestling coach thing. I mean, my wrestling coach doing that to my teammates is a terrible thing, but I'm numb to it because I talk about it every day oh, yeah. in front of 200 people, and it's like whatever. 
It's like I, I've, like uh, I brought back one of my old jokes in a brand new way, and that right there has been amazing. It's just like uh, I'm talking about like mass shootings, and it's like it's a very touchy subject, right. but it's like I got it now to a way where it's like, oh no, I can just do this in front of a regular audience because I'm talking about clowns. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. That we're able to talk about serious subjects, make it funny. But yeah. it is a little disturbing that we are able to make it so well, lighthearted, and it doesn't matter. Uh, in the unreleased episode with uh, Akshay, he he put it well. One of the reasons why uh, a lot of people who are good at comedy are good at comedy is because uh, it's not that they were the funniest person in the room. It's that they were the one who knew exactly what to say to get people upset. <laughs> that's great and it's like oh yeah yeah it's just like i can i can ruin a room oh yeah if you give me five minutes i can make everyone in there hate my guts of course i mean it's i'm already of... a jew so i'm halfway there uh <laughs> i mean it is it is interesting we have full control mm-hmm. i've done shows that i i remember there was one show i'm a pretty liberal dude yeah, same and, here. Yeah, and, and there was one show. It was a room full of old conservative people. And I did, back to back, I did a bestiality and an abortion joke. Yeah. And they loved the bestiality joke. And they hated the abortion joke. And I said, wow, you would rather fuck your dog than have a woman's right to choose. And they hated it. But I'm like, that's amazing. And you, I don't like you. <laughs> so, moving on. I mean, my <laughs> when I was back in Texas, my the best material I had was just for Texas was I was just shitting on Texas, shitting on Greg Abbott. I, it's like Greg Abbott is the reason why, like, uh, you can show that God makes mistakes. It's like, yeah, a tree fell on him in the middle of the woods, and uh, you know what? Women still can't make sense. Some shit like that. Yeah. It's just <laughs> riffing on that. It's just like, uh, just absolutely shitting on the state I was in and enjoying every minute of it with the audience. What's that That great, I saw the tape of the Bill Burr thing in Philly. Oh, the Philly. Where it just goes right. off. And it's, it really, it's the same thing. I mean, ours was in front of 30 people and his was in front of a couple thousand. But other than that, yeah. it's exact, it's just, he, you have full control of the room. Oh, it's just so much fun. It's the best feeling. It's, it's addicting. I mean, 100% being up there. Especially when you're shitting on them and, like, there's one of two reactions. Either they love it and they just, they want more. Right. Or they absolutely despise it. Yeah. Like, my first show, I went up there. I was a mess. I was supposed to be doing seven minutes. I get there, it's five minutes. I'm about to go on stage, three minutes. I am walking to the stage. You're doing two minutes. So I just do the shittiest Holocaust jokes I can. And it's like all my friends who are on the show, they were getting like praise from random audience members and stuff. Me, it was just like I was getting these scowls and loving so much of it. Well, who gives you two minutes? I mean, come on. What are you doing? Two minutes? I I ended up doing uh, a show they ended up doing like 40 some odd minutes on a couple months later so things worked out oh i wasn't saying it because of you i was attacking the producers oh no no them (laughs) them i don't care about either way that's a whole mixed bag right there 
It's like uh, the, it's a similar thing to uh, you know how they say Laughing Buddha is like a cult? Yeah. Uh, it was a similar thing with this one guy there. Instead of Jeff Lawrence, it was uh, this guy, uh, Butch Lord. Uh, not a bad guy, just like I don't think Jeff Lawrence is a bad guy, but it's just like, eh, kind of shady. Definitely has has some goals that aren't just comedy. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, everyone does. Like, yeah. But, yeah, no, I get it. So who goes into this? At a certain point, you have to realize, like, you're probably never going to make any sizable amount of money. Right. Unless you get very lucky. Yeah. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, dude, I'm producing tons of shows. And it's like, all right, how much are they costing you? <laughs> it is weird, right? I mean, there's so many. Uh, that's that's the Bringer show thing, too. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Because on one hand, you're, it's really great for good comics, Bringer shows. Because it lets people network, especially when they come into New York City and they're from Michigan or whatever. Yeah. And it rips off new comics. I mean, 100%. Yeah. There are some people that go up on bringer shows and have flashcards that are new. So, I don't know. And, and the producers need to make money. I think overall it's a net benefit. It does. It seems weird. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a mixed bag, to say the least. For sure. Like, uh, I know you did the Broadway bringer show. The industry up? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, great. See, for me, it's like, it wasn't. Oh. And I I see what happened there on my part and their part. It's like I wasn't given really any information. And uh, then on their part, it was just like not lighting people right, things like that. Like you're doing five minutes. The guy ahead of me just did eight. What? Yeah. And I'm doing how many? It's past five. I'm, I'm just pulling That's out strange. new material. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it was Saturday at 4 p.m. Pretty much what I would expect. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard such a mixed bag from that show. For me, uh, uh, biased point of view is it's great. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, and I have my point of (laughs) view. Right. And it's like, oh, no, I'm right now I'm trying to uh, figure out when I'm going to do it next. Like, I'm just going over all my material now just so I can go in there. Murder, wave, be like, hey, yeah, you want to do a show? Sure. Like, I did. I didn't even know I was getting feedback at all. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. When did you do it? Uh, June 5th at the Broadway Comedy Club. I still have it up on that chalkboard over there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. I also don't know if we have an eraser. You can use like a, like a wet napkin of some sort. Yeah, there's also things that have been on there. Uh, like, Michael was here. That's my roommate. That's been on there since he he was here. Same with, like, his uh, roommate, too, before me, put uh, the, uh, like, LGBTQ stuff on there. Uh, the rainbow flag, so. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, that's, like, four years old, at least. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it's, like, a collective thing. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy. That's yeah. what we're here for. Uh, but, yeah, uh, have you done any of the other shows like that, like the uh, Small Bringer ones? From Broadway? Not just Broadway, any of the other ones uh, yeah. around the city. 
Um, I did a bunch of shows for Kim Donut when I when I first came out of the pandemic. I did a bunch of shows for Kim at the comic strip. Mm-hmm. Those were six person bringers. Uh, great shows, packed house. It gave me a real vibe of like the um, what a full house looks like. Yeah, you know, and that because a lot of my comedy growth. I, I went into the pandemic much worse than when I came out. See, for me, I, I went in there and I, because I hadn't done comedy in over a year. Yeah. The first couple of months back were just awful. I bet. Yeah. And so those those just kind of gave me a vibe. I had only ever done real shows outside. So those were great. And then I did a show for Evan Wes at Broadway. After the industry room, but before I started to do check spots there, and I I had agreed to it way before the industry room. I yeah. agreed to it like almost seven months in advance, so it was just kind of another show I was agreeing to. Yeah, and that was good. I I weirdly enough, it actually got me the check spot. Not any connection to him. I just, someone saw that I was there and asked me to cover for them for the internship. And then I went straight into, so it's weird how those things work out. I mean, just random chance. I mean, like the first actual show they did in New York was over at the Creek in the Cave when it was still here. Yeah. And I'd done this, uh, like, storytelling mic there where you got an absurd amount of times, like 11 or 12 minutes. And... I done really well somehow, and it was just like did that. And the guy who was running that, or someone related to him, is like, "Hey, we need someone who can fill up ten minutes on a show. Can you just come in here?" And I was like, "Wow, yeah, 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 I can, I, I, yeah." And I got paid ten whole dollars. There you go, man. Ten dollars for ten minutes. I, I can live with that. It's any money, <laughs> any money to be doing comedy is ridiculous oh it's like i don't even want to spend the money that i like this year i've just started making money again doing comedy at all and it's just like i don't want to spend any of this this is this is gold this is a brick of gold how about when you go on like not tour but out and and you lose money that's (laughs) plans for next year but uh no i just made i i went to dc and i probably made like 65 bucks um and then literally, like my trip to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and then literally the Greyhound back was more one uh, way. And I'm like, all right, I lost money. It was fun. I had a great time, but I lost money. And it was the weirdest thing. It's I think fun. I left Texas, uh, not including the flights and stuff I'd already paid for, about $65 in the bag. Just, like, lost that much. It was like... Not too bad, considering I made, like, maybe $60. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but in terms of shows, yeah. those those were the bringer shows I've done. Um, great producers. Again, I know there's a stigma around bringer shows, but you know what you're getting into. It's not like they're trapping you. It's like when people complain about barking. Yeah. It's like, no, you... Or doing you the agree, door. You agreed to doing that. And someone needs to do it. I mean, especially barking. We're doing the door. Like, I don't know. It's someone. It has to happen. Um, And then, although I did have one person, um, they they asked me to do a show. 
and I had already promoted it, and then yeah. they said bring people. I that had, wasn't okay. I had that too. Yeah, I will. I, will I, I don't want uh, stipulations <laughs> after I already did the agreed upon part. And that that was annoying. Uh, I mean, you can say you can agree to it, give me a date, but don't have me promote it, and then and then like, literally the second I promoted it, yeah, it's they like, texted also. Me. Yeah. yeah. And then I had another person who did that. I said no, and they said okay. I was like, all right. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I recently had to do a similar thing with a place I was going to do a show at. I was going to produce a show. The guy's like, okay, yeah, we can do it in this backyard area. It was at this uh, head shop kind of place, like one of those places that sold CBD and Delta 8 shit. Oh, okay. And it's just like, all right. And then very little response, finally get something back, and it's like, I ask a couple of basic questions and no answer. Get back to me. Says like, yeah, we can give away uh, like edibles and things like that. Cool. That'll really help promote the show. Goes from being THC edibles to CBD edibles. Goes from being like, yeah, we have a PA system to, uh, you might have to bring something to, and it's just like a collective. And finally, I just divorced myself from them. And that's that's when I started getting immediate responses back. Like, I don't understand. Why don't you want to do the show? I can't. I I mean, I've never produced a show. I can't imagine. Honestly, it at so this point, I it's just like I I want to keep producing the show that I'm producing, but I I only want to do it to the extent where it's like, yeah, I'm doing this because uh, I literally can't do any other like ten o'clock shows anywhere else. Like because we got this one at eight, then I can leave and go to sleep. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, I felt you because you were telling me about that the other day about how you, and I agreed to do a show last night and I got out at eleven thirty and I had school at eight and I was like, oh, it's not the same, but so, I'm tired, and I. I wish I I had work at eight every day. Yeah, it was. Get there at six thirty. It's miserable. Ooh. Let me blow my nose and I'll return. Uh, yeah. Uh. Now, go grab a tissue. Yes. It's weird. I don't know. I mean, it's not the weirdest thing anyone's done on this show. Really? What's the weirdest thing that someone's done on the show? Uh, I'll tell you off air. But, uh... Are we still... Okay. Yeah, we're oh, still recording. Yeah. We have your magnificent trumpet sounds. Also, I just kind of want to say that to have, like, 20 text messages later today. What did I do? <laughs> We're good. Let's go. I have, yeah, for some reason, my left nostril is always very runny. I, I can say that on air. It's now everyone knows me. It's fine. I mean, the first episode was me and Charles Gruber talking about bowel movements for at least ten minutes. I love bowel movements, man. Yeah, like very a good shit makes the makes a day better. I have a joke about shitting. Have you heard that joke? Probably, yeah. Yeah, is have you ever taken a shit so big you think you can handle prison? Yeah, yeah, it's a great joke. And I really have. I've had jokes. I'm like, I think I could do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, All right, there you go. I, I was free doing material. A, I was doing a bit about uh, just, like, the worst shit of my life, and it's like, oh, yeah, that shitting outside of a Shoney's, and it's just like, yeah, I, I get yeah. this now. I remember one time I was wrestling, and... And I had a fart that for a second there I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe. 
Could have been in the middle of a match. That's awkward. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine, yeah. yeah. It's a little, little strange feeling. I mean, I remember like when I was in college doing powerlifting and just doing a deadlift one time. I got to the top, and I thought I was going to ship myself, yeah. and I let out a fart that was loud enough that people stopped. That's amazing. It echoed in the gym, and it's like, yeah, that was me. Well, I feel like that probably helped. I felt so much better afterwards. <laughs> it it smelled like, I don't know how, it smelled oh, like cured gosh. meats, but oh, yeah? it's like, I hadn't eaten anything like that. Well, your body does weird things. A banana smells like apricots. It's very weird how that happens. Yeah. Um, what were we talking You have about? a lot better smelling shits than I do if your shits smell like apricot. My, well, uh, the farts sometimes smell good. You're supposed to like your own fart smell. Did you know that? Some yeah. of my fart smells I like. Other ones, uh, I've left the room. room. Yeah. <laughs> I've never left the room. I, my farts are not that smelly. But I guess also I'm, I'm like supposed to feel that way. Yeah. But I forget what we were talking about. Talking Something. about bringer shows. Bringer shows. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Parking I mean, and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, I really, I, yeah, I, I stand with, you know, what you're getting into and they're helpful for people who, especially the industry room, the house bringer shows. Yeah. Um, the industry room, the stand has one that I'm doing on the 11th, uh, that I still need four people for. So, <laughs> but, so yeah. listen to this podcast. Okay, hit me up and I'll, I'll go to your burger show. You come to mind. That's the weirdest thing too. Yeah. Is it, it's never audience members. It's it's two kinds of people that go to bringer shows: comics who are friends or are doing it in return for something. Yeah. Or people who, with the newer comics that are on the show, don't know anything. I I did the door for a bringer show at Broadway the other day. Um, in return for a spot. And someone literally came in. They're like, I think I'm looking for an improv show. And we said, Ooh. you mean comedy? And they're like, yeah, improv. <laughs> well, I got to go downstairs. <laughs> I know. She's like, my friend's doing a show. Like, All right. But people really have no I'm, clue. I mean, I've seen some terrible shit at those bringer shows at Broadway, and not just Broadway, at a few of them, where it's just, like, yeah, they, it's not the comics, it's the audience, they have no idea what they're getting into, like, yeah, they invited, like, 12 people from work. And <laughs> yeah, it's very strange, man. Like, yeah, you, you have a very, uh, uptight office job, uh, maybe not the right crowd for, Jim here who's going to do five minutes of uh, dick jokes. It's so, I and I've done the crowd, yeah, the crowds are weird, and they're more heckle prone too. I, I've noticed that the two real times I've been heckled, nothing crazy, it was more just people who like to talk loud, but it was only at Brenner's. I've never done a house show at Broadway where someone has heckled me. Not. I've never done a Pringer show where they heckled. It's always been the other way. Not not even a uh, house show. It's where someone is producing at a club. Interesting. It, that's what I always see. If it's someone producing at a club, it 
that's like I saw this guy heckle, you know, Will Sylvance. Yeah. Yeah, I was heckling him, asking him like, hey, what about Haiti? You're Haitian, right? Oh, it made it even worse that it was another comic. I don't like people. I yeah. like I like people, but I just don't There's talk. a segment of the population. Don't talk. Really. And it, when you're in an audience, unless you are unless someone talks to you, don't Yeah. I've never I've never had someone heckle me and been like, Thank God. I was so bored up here and I need you to talk to me. Yeah. It's really I don't I don't get it. Although I've never done I did one show that was produced by someone else at Broadway, but that was that had like five people and one was my mom and one <laughs> was my girlfriend. So So you had It was a great show. Uh, <laughs> a lot of support from the crowd. Oh yeah, I, they loved it. They know all my material. It's incredible. <laughs> like uh I don't know about you, but like uh my my material, like the way I come up with it, is usually I have some uh, idea or experience, and then I just go through it in my head, do yeah. it on stage, and then uh, after doing it a couple of times, I'll write it out. What about you? Like, what do you do? I'm so all over the place. I usually will form the bit in my head first, and then write it down, and then say it out loud. Um, the thing I've noticed is... The writing and the speaking, just the same way you do it, except I speak it in my house and you speak it on stage. But I need, I need to speak the joke. Yeah, it needs to sound like something that I would say, because I don't want to be, I don't want to go on stage and have people be able to tell that I'm I wrote it, because our writing voices are so different from our speaking voices for most of us. Oh, it's like if you look at my writing, it varies between just homeless schizophrenic and, uh, like, oh, yes, he, he went to school to learn how to write. Right. There's no in-between, and it's like, I, I feel like I fall in between those two. It <laughs> is interesting. I the, the writing helps me because it helps me with the word economy thing. It, yeah. I, I write the jokes. I number them, so if they fill up more than two lines on the paper, I know I'm probably going too long. For um, me, it's... Uh, I, I time... I, after I've written it out, I'll say it, not necessarily verbatim what's on the page, but I'll say it and then just, like, write a bracket around the joke yeah. with time. What do you... I, I was thinking about this because I was preparing for my set yesterday, and I, I looked it up online. Maybe people will actually find this helpful, I think. What do you think... When you're... When you're trying to time out a joke... Yeah. How do you know how long a joke is going to take in front of a live audience that is actually going to laugh? Just is there a mathematical conversion? Is so, there... like when you're writing a script, right? Uh, typically, one page on a script is, depending on the script, unless you're like Kevin Sorkin or something, it's about one minute per page. Okay. Uh, that said, with jokes. You have pauses and things like that, and they're right. like, uh, for one of the ones I brought back, the uh, shooting one, I have a sound effect in there that I make, and when I let that sit for about five to seven seconds, just dead silence, then it's just like everything washes over the audience, I get the laugh there, and it's just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So it's like I have to account for that in the joke. Right. I know. I it's it's hard for me to account for pauses before I've done the full set. That's that's why I uh, say like I go through the whole joke, time it out, bracket it, and yeah. then. Then I work on, like, transitions between jokes because I want everything to feel kind of smooth or, like, if I'm going from one subject to the other, it's like I have to have that thing in there where either I branch the idea myself or I figure out, like, how this joke would go after this one. Yeah. I'll do that if it's, like, a story, but sometimes I've noticed that the the transition will get a laugh if it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that one right there. It's, uh, it's easy, one you have to yeah. For. And, but, man, because people will be like, oh, Matt, you have 15 minutes, I think. Yeah. I think I've, I, I, I've done 10, and I've done a different five, but who else, like, I, I, it's very hard. I think I do. Oh, it's like I, when I wrote out all my jokes, like I still have a few left, it's like, I do every single joke that I have out that I know will work. It's like, this is about 40 minutes. Right. That said, uh, I don't know if they'll all work in the same set. I don't know if they'll all work with the same audience, that kind of thing. Like, if I'm going to uh, do a show, like, let's say, a uh, Tiny Cupboard, might not necessarily do the same material I do over at something like uh, Grizzly Pear. For sure. And also the acoustics are different. Yeah. Because I love Broadway, but the laugh is going to last shorter yeah. than Greenwich, which that small room, that laugh will last for yeah, 40 seconds just, if you let it. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, it's the best feeling in the world because you feel like you're just floating on laughter and you yeah. don't have to do material. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so hard to tell. I think... I think you just got, because sometimes you do a set, you're like, oh my God, the light's already there. Yeah. I'm halfway through my material. I'm all right, fine, I'll get off, but whatever. And sometimes you're thinking about the last couple bits you were planning to do, and you're like, oh, you're looking at where the light's supposed to be, and it's not coming on yet, and apparently you've done seven minutes. You thought it was going to be, so it's so, I, I have no idea how to tell besides just showing up and hoping you have enough material yeah. and, and being able to do crowd work if you need to, which is obviously yeah. the only way to get out of it. I mean, the uh, we were talking about Eastville before this. Uh, I will say I have seen the most magnificent crowd work of my life there. What? Horrible. Oh, horrible. horrible. It's magnificent in how bad it's been. Oh, interesting. Have you ever heard a comic tell an audience member that he wanted to bounce come off the <laughs> No. Only to find out that that audience member had just signed up because they decided they wanted to do this for the first time. Oh, my God. Did they, had they already gone up? So then they had to go all back? Yep. And, oh, my God. I've seen... It's one of my biggest things I love about, like, what was that? Uh, a few people have been calling it broy recently, and it's like, yeah, I can, I can see that, I can feel that here. Do they mean like clicky? 
clicky and like definitely there's been this uh I don't know if it's a research, and so apparently uh, a lot of the stuff uh, with Buddha has been similar to this before, where it's just like, it becomes like, yeah, dude, Joe Rogan, not like Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, but you know, just like, ah, oh, yeah, that we're, vibe. yeah. Yeah, I totally see that at Eastville. I mean, you know, it's easy for me to talk about Eastville that way. I never do well there. So, I don't do well, it's bro apparently. Uh, I haven't been there in months, but yeah, yeah and uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm going there less. It's just like, uh, like I'm going there less because I always bomb, yeah, and because it doesn't seem like a good environment. No one's positive. Usually, it's a negative. We want to get off the stage all the time. Yeah, and why do you? No one wants to do that. I mean, I mean, even Grizzly Pear, despite being like the gloom and doom place I usually see it as, it's like, no, I do well there now. Plus, no one hates being there. There's, even if people are bombing and it's a dead room, usually there are smiles. Yeah. And usually, but two times ago at Eastville, man, everyone is angry and doesn't want to be there. It's a, someone attacked another comic verbally, and I was... I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that. Like, it's not usually like that. Usually it's uh, almost abhorrently positive, but it's like very much, it feels almost like everyone who couldn't get into a frat got in there recently. That was funny. Yeah. It is also, I, I've i heard from comics that they're trying to do, you as well, that you're trying to do more city stuff. Yeah. It could also be, not just Eastville, it's that the people who are willing to go into the city for comedy. Yeah. Meaning they're willing to spend an extra 30 minutes to try to get passed at a club, which is not everyone's goal. Yeah. But so the people who don't have that goal are at Eastville, who are just doing it because it's something to do on a Friday night. Yeah. And the people who are more passionate about improving in comedy are not there anymore yeah. because we're all in the city. I mean, it was one of the reasons why I started doing stuff at Tiny Cupboard again because I had had a couple of negative experiences there uh, yeah. with hosts and things like that. But then it's just like, well, I want to be able to play not just to people who are like me or people who like me. I want to be able to go like, in the grand scheme of things, I want to be able to have a set that works in Minneapolis and also in, like, Kentucky, you know? Yeah, it is it is very strange. I mean, that's that's the thing with the road. I mean, even Tiny Cupboard is, it's still New York. I, <laughs> it's a college. That That's what I feel like. It's yeah. like, that's the college crowd right there. I mean, maybe, but I, dude, I was in D.C. or in Virginia. I did a show in front of 90 cat owners. That was a common theme. They were, it was a cat fundraiser, and it's my material, which is darker, Yeah, and it's a bunch of old people who love cats, <laughs> so I had to, I really had to be like, is this, what material is going to work in front of this crowd? It's the same exercise, except I took a greyhound to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I took it the jade and went up the block. Yeah, and uh, I can't do dead animal jokes, man. Can't do them. 
right? You know, I, they pulled back on the wrestling girl stuff. I said, all right, that's as far as we're going. <laughs> I mean, occasionally I like to slip in just one in there that will make people upset just so I can get that reaction and be like, no, don't worry. It's just like, and then I go on from there, make fun of the situation that I've created. That's good. And uh, that, that fills up time, especially in that kind of crowd. I, this this is the kind of people it was. All right, after the show, someone came up, your last name is O'Hara, my last name is O'Hara. Like, it's that. Like, it's all, <laughs> we're, we're all together. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, no one has ever come up to me and said, your last name is Rosenzweig, my last name is Rosenzweig. Well, yeah, I, what, like that kind of crowd, just wanted to really be buddy-buddy with you. Like, huh? Oh. They really wanted to be my friend. And they wanted, they wanted to all be a family, and they all wanted to love cats. And I don't, I mean, cats are fine. I like no. dog. I'm a dog person. Are you not a dog person? I, I've had enough experiences with both of them where it's just like, oh, yeah, I like animals. That's about the extent of it. Like, I like dogs a lot. Uh, cats yeah. are, cats are all right. I'm not going to. Not gonna knock anyone for any pets unless it's like a I bird, in which case it's like you you are owning a metaphor, and uh, if you have a know. fish, you it's like no, I just wanted art that also shit. Yeah, it's very the fish. The fish is strange. I guess I chose dog because you can't choose any other animal. I gotta choose pig or monkey, but I'm not allowed to own a monkey. So oh, no, you can, right? But I'm. I live in Brooklyn. I can't, we can't legally, I looked it up, we can't own foxes or pigs in the city. You also can't own ferrets. Really? Yeah. I don't want a ferret, but I would like a pig. Why a pig? I uh, I was on an animal farm for, for a couple days because it's like the most, it's the whitest, privilege, most privileged resort going to work on an animal farm. So I went... And Michael Vick's dogs were there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all just had this thousand-yard stare. <laughs> and they uh, were angry. They were angry. But there were also pigs there, and, and I was able to adopt a pig for a night and take it back to my hotel room. And it, it, it snored a lot, but it was adorable. It ate almonds, and it had, like, like a squash... Toy. It was a hardened outside of a squash had holes in it that uh, that had almonds in it. it but uh, great, great pig. Um, probably not alive anymore. But you know, it's good. But I would like to adopt a pig if if I ever live out of the city, which probably won't happen. <laughs> we'll see. I you don't know where to go with that. Yeah, I don't. It's just, <laughs> what? Just a pig. It's like, pigs eat people. Yeah, well, we eat pigs. Yes. So. I I, I, I don't want to like, it's one of the reasons why I'm like, eh, on the fence with cats. Like, if you die in your home, a cat will eat you. A dog will starve. Well, that's because dogs, as much as I love them, are not as intelligent. Yeah, they're dumb. They're dumb as shit. I mean, and you don't have to answer this because we're on air and, uh, and I don't know. But, like, if a person died your apartment, and you were locked in. Oh, yeah, I have a stove. I have an oven. Yeah. Like I can cook a person. A cat can't cook a person. Yeah, but the cat doesn't need to cook a person. Also, I am curious about what people taste like. 
I've got a lot. I always wanted. I wrote actually. I did it at the comic strip. It didn't bomb, but I'm never doing it again. I wrote a joke about a cannibal, and it does. I am curious too. I, I would, would never say, eat a person. Like say, say that I ate like a whole meal, like this lavish meal. Right. And then at the end of it, the guy's like, "And that was my dead cousin Maurice." Yeah. I. Not I that. would be conflicted, but maybe it tasted good. Well, and that's, I felt the same way about the COVID that I would, I hope that you don't just eat one bite. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, that, and for a penny and for a pound. <laughs> right. You don't want to eat like the wing of the bat and be like, that's not for me. Oh, no, God, no. That's, um, yeah, I've looked up a lot of stuff about cannibalism for joke research only. Um, we'll keep but, it there. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, Apparently the brain's super unhealthy, but oh yeah, prions I, and stuff. Well, that's I thought that was so funny, and I this wasn't in the joke, but I I love the fact that a cannibal eats eats a person, like he's willing to eat a person, yeah. but the brain's too much. Okay, right. that's unhealthy. I'll like, eat even a human your brain, brain. Right. like even the brain that let you eat the rest of it. Like, <laughs> fuck this. That's so bad for you, even though human meat probably is. I mean. From what I understand, it's like pork. It's red meat. It probably yeah. isn't that crazy. I know. But also, probably people who have reported eating human meat aren't of the most sane life. Yeah, I probably wouldn't trust <laughs> most opinions. Right. You're not going to trust a guy who says, oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just, I wouldn't be. Oh, I, I wouldn't want to be in the same room as him. I might end up being on his uh, plate. Yeah. If you're in the same room as him, it's probably your last room. Yeah. Uh, well, that took a turn. All right. <laughs> Cannibalism. Yeah, well, once again, not the weirdest to. turn things have taken. Uh, <laughs> I, Might be it. I still think, like, getting onto factory farming, once again, with Charles Gruber, was kind of a weird turn. I don't even know how we got onto that. It was like, oh, well. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> 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 I, I know things have been going uh, pretty well for you with uh, like Broadway and things like that. Like, where where do you want to see this go? Like, we've briefly mentioned like the touring and stuff like that. Like, uh, well, right now I'm in a place where I haven't worked a job. Keep it that way. Right. That's that's where I want to go. You know, I yeah. I would love to be able to do comedy full time. That that'd be awesome. That's pretty much where. Where I would keep it, but at the same time, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like sacrifice my life to live out of a car and just live in Nebraska doing comedy circuits. Yeah, um, if you do that, good for you. But uh, I, I would love to do comedy in the city. I mean, it's the best yeah. place in the world to do it. So, I mean, so you've really only done comedy here in D.C., right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, yeah, a little in Jersey, but that counts as here. Yeah, that's basically here. That's yeah. West New York. Yeah. But, like, uh, being able to see some of the other places, like, uh, one reason why I love being in Texas for comedy is, like, you do a show at one of the clubs there, they sit a few hundred. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's just, like, when you are going up, like, sometimes at the open mics, especially, like, uh, pre-COVID, I was doing, like, an open mic where I was in the first block of, like, the first ten comics. 
I was doing shit in front of like 150, 200 people. That's incredible. And you just get like this weird difference between there and here. Yeah, there's definitely that. There's a difference. I mean, when I went to DC, I didn't get that from the open mics. They were fine. Do you think there's something to be said about like the level your comedy has to be to make it do well in front of comics, in front of like a 10-person room? In front of 10 comics in a room? Yeah. Because it's going to be probably higher than the level it has to be to make 200 people laugh. In my experience, the more people in the audience, the easier it is. Right. Uh, the less likely they're comics, the easier it is. Unless you are one of those people, and you've probably seen this, the guys who basically tailor their comedy to other comics. Well, yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen that. But that that's why... It's interesting. Like, for you to go back to Texas, it's probably awesome. Because you've already proven that you know what's funny. You, you've you done open mics. You've gotten to a fairly high level there. And now you're starting to do a lot of shows and stuff. You're producing. So you know what works. And then you're going back and you're doing a 200-person room. And you get to test out material in front of a paying audience. But I'm wondering if for a new comic, going in front of 200 people and being able to say why did the chicken cross the road, and having that kill, if that may hinder the progression of comedy writing that is so fast in New York City. I I think it's a compounding thing. I think that does hinder it to an extent. Also, you have to consider uh, New York, uh, it relies as much on uh, the amount of audience in a place as it does the fact that uh, like prior to having this job I was doing like five or six mics a day and that like on a without breaking a sweat you could easily hit four here a day easily yeah and if you do that it's like in a week that's you add in two more one or two days you've hit 30 in a week right in Texas, when I before I moved up here, if I was lucky, I could hit nine in a week yeah. total. That was just like if I got lucky with traffic, there were no accidents, uh, the mic was running on time, I got put in this place here, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so you think it's that plus the audience thing, which is why people get better yeah. faster here. Plus, you hear other people's material here so much more. You can see, like, how that works, whether it's just an objective thing, like, uh, it's conscious or it's unconscious. Right. That's true. It, and it is also you're around a higher level of people. Yeah. So, it is interesting. I mean, this city kind of is known for for ringing yeah. the extra stuff out. I mean... You know how they say, like, a lot of people will just end up quitting comedy? Yeah. Well, I so, like, next year, not including the pandemic year, I'll be at four years in comedy. Right. Uh, but, like, at three years, I know, like, about a third of the amount of people I know who are in their, like, first couple of years. At four years, it's even smaller, and it's just one of those things where it's like, 
I don't know if it's uh, people not progressing. Like, I've seen it a lot with uh, people, particularly around where I'm at. They just uh, end up dropping out because, uh, like, especially here, they usually start around the same time I did, like 22, 23. Either they decided they want to have a real life or they uh, felt they weren't funny enough to progress. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I think... I mean, I, I'm not even there yet, but I do think that there's the progression comes from what I've seen from getting rid of your old material yeah. and doing what you did and doing, I did that the other day. I took maybe five bits from COVID time and I threw the rest in a bin and I'll open it in 10 years yeah. and I'll look to see if there are funny premises, but forcing yourself you know what else it could be? When you get to four years, you're starting to do shows. Even then, I, I know less people who have been doing this for like three, four years who are doing shows. Right, but I mean like when you, when you start to get up there, the longer you do it, the more shows you're doing probably. And that means in a lot of people's heads, they only do their A material at shows. So that means you're doing new material less, which means you're progressing less as a writer because you're not going to do it as much. That might be why people are kind of fizzing out at the three-year, four-year mark because they're not progressing as I, fast I as I hadn't thought about that because the ones I see who are like five, six years in, like, and I see them, they're fucking hilarious. Right. They're doing like... The shows and stuff, but I see them at open mics all the time. Yeah, or, I mean... Or they're doing new material at a show. 100%. Yeah. What, I mean, I, I, I'm i not saying you bring in a new five minutes, but put a new bit in. Yeah. They do a once at an open mic an hour before, but, like, especially four years in, you know what's probably going to work. Yeah. I mean, it's 200 people. They're wasted. They're well, going to laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, like, for me, it's like... The uh, school, like the shooting joke I have, it's like, uh, yeah, a few years ago, I could occasionally get a laugh with that. And it's like, no, I did it at a tiny cupboard. I did it a couple of places in the city. I did it at Eastville. I did it at a couple of places like in Queens now. And it's just like, oh, no, it works everywhere. So it's like, yeah, I figured out how to make something funny. Right. Yeah. And then, then you take that and you move it to part of your set somewhere. Part of your set somewhere, but... Then you move on to the next yeah. new thing, as opposed to what I think some people do is take their five minutes and run it for two straight years, and just ever and they're getting more shows because they're making more connections. But it's the same five minutes, and then they look around and they say, "Wow, these ten people who all went up with me are performing forty-five new minutes yeah. at Broadway or West Side, and I'm doing." 10 minutes that I had two years ago at a bar show at the cheese boat in Queens or wherever. Nothing wrong don't, with the cheese boat. Don't you wish we were Seinfeld and we could do the same hour for 20 years? It is. Man, I saw him live, and he's very funny. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was able to say that I liked when you did that bit more on Stuart. Yeah. 15 years ago. And, it, and it's, it's, I shouldn't be able to do that. That's, yeah. It makes me feel like a dick, number one. Number two is also like, you're, you're obviously very good at this. I, 
want to see you do more stuff. Apparently, he does like random new material at shows. Yeah, no. but he um, and he made. I read his book. It's a good book. Uh, but and he makes a good point. He says no one can do what I do. Yeah. And until you can, I'm going to do the same material because it's really good and it does well every time. Besides, you three people in the audience that have been watching me for years. But yeah. And I kind of get that too. The I my opener I have done for a year and a half straight, and it works. And until someone can give me an opener that's better, uh, I what's worked for me coming back from the pandemic is changing my opener out a lot. Oh yeah. At least, when say post-pandemic, but within the last uh, month and a half, I've been doing that. I was trying to take some advice, like uh, listening to uh, uh, Burke Kreischer on his podcast, talking with, I forget which comedian, but they were talking about how they were doing, like, new material uh, as an opener. Interesting. Like, when they felt like they were almost in a creative rut. Oh. And it's just like, oh, no, I just really hate doing this opener. And it's like, yeah, it works. I know it works. What else can work? That's cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. I uh, I mean, the whole. Yeah. I think that's cool. I, I do. I, I should change it up. I, I mean, see re- what you feel comfortable with. Like, there's also the thing where I didn't understand it when I was first starting out where everyone says, like, oh, no, you just kind of do your own thing and see how it works out, and it's like, especially with this, it's so individualistic. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're the guy on stage telling our jokes our way. It's like, yeah, it's going to vary a lot. Right. And I, the reason I have the opener I do is because a lot of my jokes, you really got to know me to laugh. You got you to know who I am and that I'm okay with it to laugh at my wrestling coach being the guy he was. You have to. You can't. I can't get on stage and you see a guy who looks like he's probably twelve, and he's talking about how his coach molested him. I mean, and your age is that. kind of a spectrum. It could be any. It's very weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I sometimes I'm twelve, sometimes I'm twenty-two. It's very strange. And sometimes I no, I've never been uh, twelve. I I kind of skip those years. Like there's, I have <laughs> I have my ID on me right now, and it's like this was taken when I was sixteen. I look the same. Yeah. Um, but that's why I do the father tattoo joke. Yeah. Um, because it's an easy joke. It's a really easy joke to laugh at. You don't, you don't feel bad for the guy. It's just, it's not dark. It's not sexual. It's just, and that's, that's why it's my opener right now. Maybe I'll change up. I have a, I'm trying to write a joke about, I got featured in some magazine. I'm trying to write a joke about that. I mean, uh. I just talk about my jobs a lot starting out, just like being a PA on a bunch of different shoots and the shit that goes along with it. That's cool. I was basically stuff is like, yeah, I've seen some shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I had a lady make me bury a dead bird she found on the seat, on Did the you? street. Yeah. Wow. And it was just uh, making fun. It's just like, yeah, this. Being up here, if I bomb, like basically establishing with the audience, being up here and I bomb. Like, I've had so many worse experiences than that at this point. Yeah. This job is not as bad as uh, as that. 
There really, there are so many worse things than going up on stage and bombing. Yeah, but it's people not that bad. People are really afraid of it. I know. I and the first time it happens, you realize it's whatever. I I when I start to bomb, like really badly, especially at an open mic where I know the people there. I I just sit in it. I just sit in it, and I'm like, you know what? You guys are the reason. You just sit in it with me. Just come on. Yeah. Sit. We'll sit for five minutes. We'll get off stage. The next person can come up and try to do the same thing I'm going to do, and they're probably going to do just as poorly. Yeah. Most likely. Um, yeah, the opener is a weird thing because you don't want to set off a weird vibe, but it, it's like it's the safety. Yeah. It's it's the let me show you that I'm funny. And we can move on to the stuff that I actually want to talk about. Which has nothing to do with my father. It has nothing to do with tattoos. It has nothing to do with my family. It has to do with the fact that my roommate took a knife and stabbed me. That's what I want to talk about. And the rest of it doesn't matter to me. But laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, like, talking about the open. How do like, your closers, like, uh, yeah. How, how do you feel about that? Like, because uh, I feel like that's you always hear that's more important. The closer and the opener are the weirdest because why is it happening? Why are you getting up there? That's weird that you're getting up on stage. Yeah, that's a very strange thing in a socialist. And why are you getting off? Yeah, you they don't here. know your time is up. Yeah, why are you leaving? You're doing great. Yeah. And so you have to provide a reason that you're leaving. Yeah. In my, uh, and it could be a big laugh. That could be the reason. Yeah. But the, so my closer is the same because it's, it's the shit joke I have. So I'm just like, oh, I got to take a dump. Bye. Yeah. And, and I do a joke about the prison and anal and it's great. But, <laughs> and everyone, oh, I have another closer that I love that I've never done at Broadway. Um, because it's, I think it's too complicated for them, that audience. A bunch I, of I, I know the feeling. I, I had to change mine up a number of times. My go-to one is uh, my David Attenborough joke. Yeah. And it's just... Oh, like, that's so funny. Well, it's just... It's one of those ones where it's like, if I have 30 seconds left, I can do it. If I have a minute 30 left, I can do it. And... Like, I can add and subtract to it as much as I want, and it still works. Right. As long as I get to say bang, I'm fine. That's so funny. Yeah. I laugh every time. The, uh, my, my joke I is... that joke so much. <laughs> I know. I can tell, but it's a funny joke. Um, my, my favorite closer, my favorite joke that I have is, um, I say, well, this joke is called Turns Out She Was Dead. <laughs> I, I yeah. remember that one. And then I'm like, so I went to wake up my grandma, and then I just leave. <laughs> it's so, I love it so much. And and I know comics like it, yeah. and they appreciate it, but I know audiences would be so confused. I forget, I saw you do that someplace. I, when I hate the audience, I do it. I forget where it was, but. I probably it, hated the audience, and I, it probably I, bombed. I was the only one laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, I get it, and that's probably the only joke I have where I'm like, this is a great joke, and if you don't laugh, I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that is on you. And 
I've done it a few times at shows, but it really only is. Like when I'm bombing or if the audience isn't paying it, like one of those rooms where there's like music in the back. Yeah. I've done that. And there's, a, I get a show, there was a market in the back. What's going on? And the room is so deep. It's like, like three of these. And I, I was just like, I did the joke and I left and the side of comics that knew me, they were laughing so much and no one else was. And I don't care. I, I just went to a show the other day where, like, the stage is up front, and in the back there's a bar. Yeah. The bartenders were talking at this level. Okay. <laughs> yeah, clueless. And it's just like, ah, that, that might have been a funny joke. I don't know. Yeah. I uh, Same thing with outdoor shows. How do you know? Yeah. That's yeah. why I hated them, because there's no acoustics whatsoever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it is, yeah, outdoor rooftop. I'm so glad we're inside, man. I'm so glad we're doing comedy clubs again and everyone's breathing on each other. And hopefully we all live. Yeah. And no one has to be a cannibal. That's the end of that uh, experience for me. All right. Well, I know you got to head out of here soon. Yeah, we got we got a mic. And people are still signing up. And I put I put the wait list I yeah. said, so I'm going to have like 20 people there and I'm going to have to turn them on. How many seats are in that room? Which room? The small one. The tiny one? Like 10 people? I have I have Let's a see, lot of people signed three, up. Three, four, three, four, three, 12, and then five in the back. So 17 seats total, I think. Oh, it's going to be such a mess. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a good <laughs> time. You should come out to the open mic. We have a huge room and it's just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it was good having you on here. Oh, this was so fun. Yeah. Well, uh, go host your open mic. Thanks, uh, you got, like, a show or something uh, this week? Because uh, I'm backed up on episodes, which means uh, this episode is airing today. Oh, this episode's airing today. All right. Yeah, uh, as soon as we finish this up, I'm going to be fantastic. popping on my computer and posting this up. Sounds good. I have, um, I have Broadway every Friday, so come out to that. All right. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, I had a good time talking with Mac there. Uh, he's got that show over at Broadway Comedy Club on Fridays, and he's got an open mic you can attend at the Tiny Cupboard on Mondays. Uh, yeah, things are going well. Can't really complain. You guys have a good one, all right?